Welcome to Wednesday night at Faith Assembly. We're glad you've joined us. Well, welcome. I want to ask you a question tonight. Have you ever been confused? Right? Maybe, maybe you got turned around with traveling and following that map on your phone. You're like, where am I going, right? Like you can't even follow the GPS when it's right in front of you. Or maybe you've been confused whenever you take your car to a mechanic and you sit there and, and they say you just go in for an oil change and some service issues and then they're like, hey, we actually need to do X, Y, and Z and you get the car back and you're like, why is my bill looking like this? Have you been there? Or maybe, maybe you're one of those people and you just don't realize how old you are getting until you see the next generation come through and their new outfits. You scratch your head and I look at my wife this one particular time during dinner and I said, I can't believe they would wear something like that, right? Like we've been there. We go through these moments of confusion. Well, believe it or not, the church, the general American or the church worldwide has battled this idea of confusion. Everybody say with me, confusion. There we go. This idea of confusion, so much so that it's imposed from culture. We battle this confusion. Let me give you a couple examples. The first one is the recent years, 100 years or so, can you believe it or not that the church has been confused when it comes to instruments on the stage. Instruments, right? You know, it was believed one time that drums and the guitar or the guitar, however you like to say it, were of rock and roll and should not be involved in corporate worship. Wow, we've really changed things, right? Or maybe when it's come to appearance. I remember growing up, my parents, they had my church shoes, my slacks, my button-up shirt, my church belt, if I remembered it. And that was my uniform to church. Or maybe it's the recreational items, right? Like I remember there was one moment in the recent years of church history where going to a movie is frowned upon or playing cards was frowned upon. You know, they were associated with gambling or ill-advised activities and we shouldn't do that. Confusion. So what happens whenever these items strike up, we, we have to ask ourselves as a church, why do we believe the way we believe? Why do I hold that staunch thought? Why do I have that thinking? And we have to evaluate, are we confused because of what culture is bringing into the church, or are we confused by our own ways and our own evaluation of items? I mean, there's some heavier things right now at the footstep of the church, and it's this, you know, there's this big movement. Let's not have maybe meeting, let's have underground church and let's assemble and maybe discover God in our own way and not really connect with the local church in our communities. Or maybe it comes to relationships that are pretty heavy, that are pretty weighted. And, you know, uh, you know 10, 15 years ago, we used to very clearly be able to recognize, hey, this is male, this is female. Now things are coming and culture is imposing its will on the church where the church has to ask the question, why? Why do I believe the way I believe? Or we come to this point of confusion when it comes to understanding, can I be a Christian if I'm affiliated with this political party? Or can I be a Christian if I'm affiliated with this political party? And we have to ask ourselves, why? 
Tonight, we are going to take a look at the book of Colossians. This is a letter the Apostle Paul writes. And Paul is addressing a young group of believers. Now, it's interesting, Paul writes this passage, and he writes the first chapter of his letter, to a group of people he doesn't know, and to a church he never started. So he's writing, and this is how he opens up his letter. First, he prays for this church. Two ways, he thanks them for their faith, hope, and love, and Jesus, and who Jesus is in their life, and, and their endurance and perseverance to actually continue to pursue Jesus. And then he also prays for them with continual wisdom and understanding. I think any times we're confused, we have to come back to what Paul is saying and Paul is addressing. It begins for clarity with prayer. So he goes into these moments and he prays for them, and then he enters into a poem, which will be our text today. So I encourage you to join me there. First Coloss- or Colossians, excuse me, chapter 1, verses 15 through 20 is what we'll be looking at. What's interesting in this, Paul is writing to this young group of believers who are confused because they're in this polytheistic society, meaning there's many gods. And what culture is imposing on this church is this. Culture is saying that you can know Jesus, but you can also know Jesus and other gods. If you know Jesus, that's awesome. Jesus is a part, Jesus is a path, Jesus is another avenue in how you can meet God. So Paul addresses this culture infusion hitting Colossians, and and he's trying to address, you know what, let's mop up some of this confusion. So join me there, Colossians chapter 1, verses 15. Paul opens up with this beautiful poem. I find that fascinating, those little details of church because, or the passage, whenever Paul writes to a church, he doesn't just come out and say, do this, do this, do this. He creates a method a creative method to explain the gospel. I think as churches, we need to be very innovative in a way to not change the message, but communicate in a unique method that hooks in people's hearts and minds. I mean, that's the example of the Apostle Paul. So Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 and 20, you can follow along. We believe if you read, write, and recite, you're better to retain what we discuss right now. So Christ is the visible image of the invisible God, Paul says. So it's important to note, no one has ever seen God. There's been moments where you've seen the glory of Jesus, people experience. I mean, we see this in John 1.18 and 1 Timothy 1.17. So if anybody says, hey, I've seen God, I say you need to run. There's been experiences in Scripture and there's moments in Scripture where people have this uh, uh, unique interaction with Jesus, but never God. God is invisible. He existed before anything, Paul goes on, and was created and is supreme over all creation. That means he was the firstborn, some translations put it. That means there is privilege, there is priority with Jesus. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He He made the things that we can see and the things that we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. Verse 17, he continues in this poem. Paul says, he existed before anything else and he holds all creation together. 
Christ is also the head of the church, which is the body. He is the beginning, the supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. He is the head of the church. He is the origin and the authority, Paul is stating here. For God in all, or for God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and earth and by, means of, by the means of Christ's blood on the cross. From the beginning to the end, God always wanted to live in a relationship with his creation. So today we're going to be looking at this moment when confusion imposes itself on followers. How do we handle that? That's who Paul is uh, communicating. That's how he's trying to articulate himself is how to handle the word confusion. When you don't know what to do, what do you do? So three ways that we can handle confusion when culture imposes itself on the church. The number one way, if you can put it in your notes, is this, develop the right view of Jesus, develop the right view of Jesus. One of the greatest challenges on our faith journey is having the right view of Jesus. For that's what's going to hold up in long term. If your biblical view of Jesus isn't biblically founded, isn't the foundation of your faith, then when culture evolves, and it will, Paul even talks about when culture imposes itself in Colossians, then your faith isn't going to hold up. So you have to develop the right view of Jesus. How do we develop the right view of Jesus? A healthy view of Jesus is, as J.B. Phillips would say, is Jesus is the visible expression of the invisible God. That means if you want to know God, you have to lean into who Jesus is. You have to study Jesus' attributes and character. You have to say, okay, Jesus is compassionate to the woman at the well. I'm to be compassionate. Jesus has power. You know what that means? God has power. I'm, I'm, I'm learning that when Jesus has cast the nets, then that means, and God shows up there and, and, and they pull the fish out of the sea, that means God is powerful, the invisible expression. Whenever Jesus is walking on water, that means God is a mysterious God. Whenever Jesus shows mercy, when, when he's inundated with conversation after conversation where people try to hook them up and, and make them stumble through obstacles, how does Jesus respond? It's studying and learning the attributes of who Jesus is reveals God. It's looking at the visible expression. For Paul said this, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. So not only do we study the attributes and character of Jesus to know about God, we also make Jesus the priority in our lives. A lot of times we get confused because the priority isn't Jesus. We fit Jesus in to our schedule verse saying, Jesus, let me build my life around your plan for me. I love what Psalms says in, verse chap- or in chapter 2, verses 10 through 12. It says, Now then, you kings act wisely. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with reverent fear and rejoice with trembling. Submit to God's royal son or he will become angry and you will be destroyed in the midst of all your activities. For his anger flares up in an instant. But what joy for all who take refuge in him. The priority there. See, an unhealthy view of Jesus is what Paul was addressing when this polytheistic culture was saying, hey, you can have Jesus, but you also can have your opinion. 
You can have your beliefs. You can meet God on your own terms versus looking at the biblical analysis of Jesus' life. So today, if you're battling confusion, what do I believe when my student comes home from school and reveals some of the things that he's saying? I, I would encourage you, what's the scripture say? What's the right view of Jesus? Are you studying Jesus? Are you looking at his attributes? Are you looking at his character? Because when we look at his character, God reveals himself. So the first way we handle confusion that culture imposes on us is develop the right view. The next way we do is we need to observe creation and be wowed by the creator. Now, oftentimes in Jesus' resume, we tend to highlight the the greatest piece is that Jesus died on the cross for you and I, and then God raised him from the grave three days later, and he conquered death, sin, and everything else, and he, he filled that void so we can have a relationship in a, a new shaped eternity. But one area that we often overlook is that Jesus was a creator. Jesus was from the very beginning. First Colossians 1.16, or excuse me, Colossians 1.16 says, for through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made things we can see and the things that we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. So when we have this understanding that Jesus is the ultimate creator, when we look at this passage of Colossians, and we can celebrate the unique personalities that God places around us. We can say, hey, those feelings of joy or of happiness and, and excitement, that comes from Jesus. When we wrestle with some of the things in our past, we can say, okay, maybe that was from Jesus, but now I can celebrate in where he's brought me. We can look at the physical beauty of the world. I mean, I'm a huge believer in this. If you want to get a dose of who God is in your life, go outside, get alone in nature, and just look. Look at the little details from the ants crawling to the birds in the sky, to the trees, to the oceans, to the mountains, to see your creator at work. Paul continues in verse 17. He says, he existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. So two huge points right there that Jesus was the beginning of time and Jesus also bound time. See, everywhere we look reveals a glimpse of Jesus' goodness and his vast eternal perspective for us. So the question that we have to ask ourselves, how am I seeing the goodness, the creator at work in my life? I love what A.W. Tozer, my favorite theologian, because he's self-taught, he says this, he says, Christianity at any given time is strong or weak depending upon her concept of God. And I insist upon this, and I have said it many times, that the basic trouble with the church today is her unworthy conception of God. When we have this missed view of who Jesus is, then we have this misconception of the creator of who he is. See, there's this leaning focus to always maybe address in our lives what we don't have versus looking at the things the creator's placed in our lives of what we do have. You want to eliminate confusion, take a pause, take a moment in your life and say, man, you've given me this. Thank you. Number three for us today is this three ways we handle confusion of culture is 
One, we develop the right view of Jesus. Two, we observe creation to be wowed by the Creator. And three, we believe in reconciliation. We believe in reconciliation. Some of the greatest lies in culture right now that are at the doorstep is that you can't reconcile what you've done in the past. Relationships can't be restored. The mistake you made maybe looms over. You're still reaping that consequence. You're still going through some of those challenges. I mean, I'll look at this idea, this movement this past year, cancel culture. People, hey, throw, throw, the, throw everything out the door. They've already made their mistake. There's no coming back. I mean, if you follow football, I'm a huge football guy. Go Cincinnati Bengals, by the way. You look at this past couple weeks, we see this NFL coach, he gets fired because of emails he sent over 10 years ago. Now, I'm not condoning what was said in the emails, but I do say I hope no one ever looks at my life or judges me based off any words I've said because maybe like you, you can relate that we've all made mistakes and things we've done or things we've said. See, culture right here imposes itself and says, you know what? You can't redeem yourself. But Jesus over here says, you know what? You can through me. See, we've all made mistakes. See, reconciliation of what Jesus is about, he reconciles himself with us because he goes to the cross for you and I. He removes the hostility in our lives and restores us to a friendly relationship with him. See, Paul says in Colossians 1, 20, he says, and through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and earth by the means of Christ's blood on the cross. So you might be here tuning in right now. I want to encourage you with this. There is nothing that you have done. There is nothing that you can't come back from. There is nothing that your Lord and Savior can't change for the better in your life. That's what Paul is addressing. When this culture is confusing and, and things change and we don't know how to accept or we don't know how to reject, we can say, hey, I'm going to lean in and say, God, I want to be restored with you by leaning into what Jesus has done on the cross. See, two major ways that Jesus reconciles himself with us is one, through our thinking. I think right now there's this pandemic of our thought process, anxiety and depression that people battle with, go through, the hangups, the, the, the self-doubt that lead people down a very scary journey. See, Jesus wants to reconcile that. And we also see the deeds. Jesus wants to reconcile our deeds. There's no mistake that you've made. There's no regret that you have that can't be fixed, that can't be forgiven, that can't grace went out in. And then Colossians 1.21, Paul says this in his, as he's concluding to this, in this chapter, he says, this includes, you, this includes you who were once far away from God. You were the, his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. But see, Paul, he's, he's saying that there's a lot of confusion around, but there's one person that restores everything, and that's Jesus. My wife, uh, her name's Brittany. She loves to uh, thrift shop. Uh, I don't know if maybe you can relate or not, but uh, me, when it comes to thrift stores, I'm not much of a thrift store guy. I can't get past the smells right? Like, I'm like, whoa. This one day, she goes out shopping, and she's like, uh, hey, but she comes back in the afternoon. She's like, I got you a shirt. I'm like, okay, because she tends to do that, and 
Whenever she does that, uh, usually it's from a store that I like to shop in. And I, I like it because that saves me a trip of maybe going picking out a shirt. And also it's like, she has great taste, you know? And so I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. She got me a shirt. So I, I end up, the day goes on and I'm like, hey, thanks for the shirt and, and, and crash. And wake up the next day. And you know, whenever you get a new piece of clothing, you're like, hey, I want to wear it, right? You're like, I want to look good. Well, I, I, I don't like thrift clothes personally. And um, I, I see the shirts early in the morning and I throw it on. I'm like, oh, it's a brand new shirt. Awesome. Great. I wear it to work and I'm feeling good. Like I'm looking in the mirror and I'm like, like, come on, you know, like, I come home that day and in the afternoon, she's smiling. Like, she's like grinning ear to ear. I'm like, man, I'm bringing a smile to my wife's face. Life is good, you know? Like, everything's perfect. And uh, she's like, how's your, how's, uh, how's your day? I'm like, oh, great. Man, that shirt looks great on you, Blake. And I'm like, thank you. I know, you know? And she goes, hey, you want to know where you got it from? Where I got it from? I said, yeah, I mean, what? Like, I don't know, Banana Republic, something like that. Uh, and she's like, yeah, I actually got that at the Goodwill. And I'm like, what? Really? Seriously? Totally changed my perspective. Totally changed my perspective. I'm like, maybe you're onto something. So I think a lot of times our perspective can be skewed because we can be confused by what's actually hanging up there. Maybe what's broken, what's old, what doesn't look like it can be restored. So when it comes to Jesus, you might be sitting there and be like, I'm just thrift shop material. I'm disposed of. I'm, I'm ready for someone else to just kind of move in my place. And you're just going life through the motions. I want to encourage you that there is a God that believes so much in reconciling his relationship with you, that he's given us his one and only son to fill that void. So no matter where you've been, no matter how you're feeling, that God always can take the old and make something new out of it. So today, uh, I, I just want to close with our hope for you. And it's a little bit different of a Wednesday night, but it, it's this. It's, my hope for you is that you find clarity by starting a relationship with Jesus. Uh, we're going to move that way. And a lot of times we can get confused, but clarity comes by observing Jesus. Clarity comes by studying Jesus. Clarity comes by saying, man, God, let me just take a step back and be amazed by the creator. And clarity comes by saying, hey, no matter what I've done, I can be redeemed. And then number two, too, is maybe you have a relationship with Jesus tonight or watching online. I want to encourage you with this. Maybe you need to continue to see clearly because you pursue Jesus daily. And I want to encourage you to do that. So we're going to close in prayer. Thank you for joining us tonight. And uh, this is the, the best day of the week, right? Like when we get to gather together, Sundays and Wednesdays and throughout all week, whenever a body comes together to celebrate Jesus. Let's pray at this moment right now. Join me. Lord, we give you this time right now. We just say thank you. Thank you for giving us opportunity to see, a, uh, see clearly. Lord, we know there's a lot of confusion out there swirling with major events in life and major uh, things from what we think and what we believe. But God, we know we, you can intervene. You can lead us. You can guide us. Lord, right now for a body of believers listening, I pray that you bring a, a extreme clear picture. Just as Paul wrote about, just as Paul was coaching a young church, we know we can trust in you. We know we can be led by you. And we know we can take your words and apply them to your life. So continue to be with us, guide us, and lead us. In your great and holy name, we all say, Amen. 
Well, we're going to take a moment to respond to what we discussed tonight. So Pastor Steph is going to close with the song. I just want to give you a moment to say, hey, God, what do you need to speak to me at this time? Thank you for joining us for tonight's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. We also gather on Sunday mornings at 8.15 and 10.45 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next time for Wednesday night at Faith Assembly. Faith Assembly's Wednesday night is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.